Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Impunity Observer podcast. Today's guest is Maria Supelo. Maria is an investigative reporter and expert on the crime terror nexus in Latin America. She worked for The Guardian, AFP, and The Economist. She also writes for the Latin American news outlet, Infobae. Maria, although Italian, has lived in Brazil for more than a decade. And she will talk to us about the presidential election in that country. The first round was on October 2nd and the runoff between Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva and Jair Bolsonaro, who got the most votes in the first round, will be on October 30th. Welcome, Maria. Uh, was it a surprise that the presidential race ended up being really tight between Lula and Bolsonaro? Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Yes, it was a totally surprise. It was a kind of a World Cup final. This was the mood uh, that uh, Brazilian people felt uh, last Sunday. It was unexpected because uh, we must advise that for weeks we had uh, polls saying that uh, the big winner would be Lula uh, at the first round for the first time in Brazilian history. And so the expectations uh, in Brazil and outside Brazil, uh, journalists, uh, uh, voters, uh, analysts, uh, where that something uh, really clear was uh, coming, the victory of Lula, who had a difference of 14 points with uh, uh, Bolsonaro, which means that uh, really um, nobody could expect a result like uh, the result that we have Sunday. And what happened? It was a kind of... Uh, uh, as I said, uh, World Cup final, and uh, uh, we have only five points of difference between Lula and uh, uh, Bolsonaro, which means that, yes, uh, Lula uh, won the first round, but that now the competition with Bolsonaro will be much more high and uh, uh, difficult for him. Also because the structure of the Congress changed a lot. Don't forget that the Brazilian not only voted for uh, the president, but also for chose the governors and the senators and the representatives of the House of Representatives. And the biggest uh, news is that uh, the Congress, Brazil never had a Congress like this one, uh, which means a Congress with uh, a very uh, ultra-conservative uh, uh, block. The, the market, the financial market, reacted very well to this news. Why? Because to have a new conservative block means that even in the case of a Lula victory, uh, Lula government will fight, will struggle to implement a radical policy, for example, for economy or, or for social programs. As you know, when we talk about leftist parties in Latin America, we are not talking about the same left that we have in Europe or in the United States. It's a more radical left that behind has the example of a story of dictators like Chavez and Maduro and very radical experiences like, for example, Cristina Kirchner, Evo Morales in Bolivia. Lula represent, always represented a moderate way of this pink tide that is coming back. 
The problem is that uh, the world changed after these two presidencies uh, uh, starting from uh, 2002, the world changed and nobody knows what kind of politics, economic policy you want to uh, it wants to implement in Latin America. I want to give you some uh, specific data just to understand what is the Brazil now and what is the economic situation, because I think that uh, if you want to discuss about elections, the, the most significant data are the economic data. So we can, uh, I'd like that Brazil is growing and the forecast uh, for the end of the year of this uh, gross domestic product is uh, that it will be above three percent. We have to. Uh, uh, we need to say that unemployment has dropped after seven years for the first time below nine percent, and inflation will end uh, 2022 at 5.5 percent less than that of the European Union. So it's a big result. In addition, Bolsonaro tried to challenge Lula also from a social perspective. He increased the Auxilio Brasil, which is a kind of uh, um, monthly salary of 600 reais, around $100 more or less. And uh, uh, he wants to increase uh, up to 1,000 reais, which means $200. He also reduced state fuel uh, Taxes. So Brazilian gasoline now is one of the least expensive in Latin America. So the problem for Lula will be that Brazilian now need facts. Okay, uh, during all his first part of uh, his campaign, Lula only talked about his past. Under my presidency, everything was perfect. People were rich. Had picanha on their table, which is true, but the world was different. Uh, uh, don't forget that we had at the time uh, the boom of commodities. The scenario now is totally different. We have a war in Europe, we have recession everywhere. So people know in Brazil that uh, it would be very hard for Lula to accomplish what is uh, promising. Don't forget that also Brazil is the world's sixth most populous country and the 12th largest economy. So it means that we have a lot of foreign interest in the country uh, about the Amazon, about the commodities, about oil. That's why also in the press, in the foreign press, we can say that uh, People, I mean, foreign people. I mean, I don't know if you if you read the last analysis of the economists. The economists say Lula will be better than Bolsonaro, but they need to promote a center-focused politics, which will be very hard because, as I say, the Congress is from the Bolsonaro side. So we can say that even if Bolsonaro uh, won't win at the end of the month, September 15th. Uh, we can we can say with uh, absolute clarity that uh, Bolsonarism was the big winner of the elections. Uh, Bolsonaro and Lula, in my opinion, represent the two faces of Brazil. Don't forget that Brazil uh, is a is a huge country, bigger twice than Europe, uh, with a lot of uh, inequalities, uh, with a, 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 a social gap that is impressive. Um, 
Bolsonaro represented the most conservative side. He comes from the military uh, milieu. Uh, he joined the center-right liberal party. He tried to forge a coalition uh, with other two large parties. And um, he got a very good approval rating in the last month. It was hardly criticized during the COVID-19 pandemic because uh, um, it delayed uh, the purchase of the vaccine. But at the same time, we had to say that we have a, um, a governor here in Sao Paulo, uh, Doria, who pushed the Chinese vaccine, CoronaVac, and nobody said that this CoronaVac was a really bad vaccine that uh, uh, Europe didn't buy, United States didn't buy, because uh, there were no data, there were not uh, scientific data to prove that it was a, um, an efficacy uh, vaccine. Which means that uh, you have a narration, a narrative of a reality, and then you have a reality. So I agree uh, when people say, he could have buy the vaccine before. Yes, it's true. He uh, could have avoided his statement. Sometimes we're really insensitive. I agree. But now, I tell you, Brazil uh, uh, has already the third uh, booster. And in Italy, we don't have. Everybody here can have the, the, the fourth, sorry, the fourth booster. And in Italy, we don't have only old people. So it means that behind the propaganda, we need to look at the facts. For sure, uh, I think that uh, we can say that the Brazilian elections have a big loser, which is the Brazilian citizen. Why? Because uh, um, Brazilian uh, society wasn't able to produce a third way, okay? Something and someone between Bolsonaro and Lula. So uh, the problem is that we are in a polarized situation with two different uh, characters that are that can be criticized for a lot of reasons, but we don't have uh, a third uh, proposal. That's why I say that probably we need to see in uh, four years what's going to happen here in Brazil. But at the moment, uh, we really don't know what's going to happen in 28 uh, days, which is the, the difference uh, between the first and the second round. So um, that's the situation. Don't forget that one of the big problems, I think that is a, is a global phenomenon, but in Latin America is stronger, the, the phenomenon of corruption. Corruption is everywhere in Brazil. Uh, don't forget the Lava Jato, the car wash operation that discovered big bribes uh, for the nation uh, companies uh, like Petrobras, etc. Uh, Lava Jato was focused on 33 parties. The, the party of workers of Lula was one of the most uh, recipient of the bribes, and Lula was involved in it. But for example, now during the first round of his electoral campaign, his mantra, his lemma was, I was uh, um, considered innocent even by the United Nations, with, which actually doesn't mean anything because it's not the United Nations that, I, that can declare 
uh, a president innocent or not. And it's not correct technically, because we he had two two trials, the uh, one for Atibaya, which was a personal property, and the second one for his apartment uh, on the triplex, a building uh, in the Sao Paulo city, state city of Guarujá. These two convictions were not cancelled. They just, uh, how can I say, they just uh, uh, expired because uh, there was a technical uh, strategy to move the trial from Curitiba uh, to Brasilia, which means that uh, they lose a lot of time. And during this time, the, uh, the conviction expired. But nobody said that he was innocent. So it, it, this is a lie. So what happened with the polls and why did they fail to predict this tight race between Lula and Bolsonaro? Uh, for two main reasons, official main reasons, even if people, nobody say that. Uh, the big problem is that uh, the databases that uh, these polls use are very old databases. The last census uh, in uh, Brazil uh, dates back uh, to 2010. Why? Because uh, in 2020, uh, the, the new census was cancelled uh, due to the pandemic. So actually, we are uh, talking about all data, and there is uh, one reason more. Uh, as you know, here in Brazil, um, the evangelical population is very important for elections because they represent a very good part of the society. Uh, if you read uh, the data from uh, uh, 2010 census, you can um, you can say that uh, we had at that time around 42 million of evangelical people in Brazil. But we don't know, nobody knows uh, if and how this part of population increased. So it means that if evangelical people uh, were traditionally more loyal to the conservative side of the politics, for sure the lack of uh, information uh, played a very big role uh, in the, the, the prediction, because, you know, we have polls and then you, you write predictions starting from the polls. And then, in my opinion, and I talk as a European, in Italy, for example, uh, two weeks before the election, it's totally forbidden to, um, to make polls and to uh, publish polls, because uh, uh, the reason is that uh, is to avoid any kind of interference in the election, in the electoral decision. Here, uh, the polls were allowed until the day before the election, so you can imagine. And second, in my opinion, it's is is a very serious problem. Um, we have different uh, uh, institutions that uh, um, work with polls. One of them, Datafolia, is owned by the same publishing group that publishes uh, Foglia di San Paolo, uh, one of the most, most important the uh, uh, newspaper in Brazil, which is, I mean, it's unbelievable because you you should have an independent media and then you have polls that are uh, managed by the same group that runs the newspaper. The same 
for the other institution, uh, IPEC, IPEC is not owned by Globo Group, but the polls were commissioned by Globo. Globo, as you know, in Brazil, uh, which for me is amazing, Brazil doesn't have a public broadcast. I mean, they started, they recently started the ABC, but it's really really is is not representative of uh, brazilian tv if you go to brazil and you ask people what 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 is brazilian tv everybody says global they are powerful but it's a private group with a lot of economical and political interests and now they are in a very sensitive moment because they are waiting for the government confirmation of the how do you say in english uh, co concessions, I mean, the authorizations to continue to broadcast. So uh, for them uh, to take a position or another one makes the difference. So that's the, the, the most important reason. And then you have another factors that uh, factor that was really important, in my opinion, the so-called uh, um, the, the vote with shame. Uh, Brazilians were uh, were scared to reveal their vote to the people that asked for polls, uh, and so they prefer to lie instead of saying the truth, which is a very plausible explanation because Brazil, as Tonjo being said, is not a country for beginners. It means that you need to. Uh, put uh, aside all your European mindset, your logical mindset to understand the deep Brazil, which is much more full of contradictions. And we are seeing it now. Now that the second round campaign started, the market of votes already began with people like Ciro Gomez, uh, who was uh, one of the other two candidates uh, that uh, got uh, uh, most uh, votes. Uh, it was totally against Lula last week, and yesterday he accepted the decision of his party to um, endorse Lula. So you need to understand that here people change their mind really quickly, and now, it will be very interesting to see uh, how the result, the last result, could affect, could interfere in uh, Brazilian perception of a winner. For example, I read many many articles from the Brazilian press. I realize that there are a lot of people from the financial market that seeing the good results of a unexpected results of Bolsonaro uh, last Sunday are changing their mind. So we really can make predictions about uh, September 30, but I can uh, promise that it will be very, very funny and interesting. Right, and why do you think the, the October 2 presidential election had such a high absentee rate despite both being mandatory in Brazil for people 18 or older? First of all, uh, in Brazil, people can start, can begin voting at age 16, okay? But as you said, 
the vote is mandatory after age 80. The problem is that uh, I think that Lula uh, lose a lot of votes because of uh, uh, these young people that avoid to vote because they were not obliged, first. Second, uh, Sunday was raining a lot of places in Brazil. And Brazilian is already lazy. I mean, if it rains, uh, um, you know, the fines to pay are so cheap as for eyes that everybody can, uh, everyone can afford it. So that's why my opinion. And my opinion, this 20% really penalizes Lula. It was a big penalization for Lula. Okay. So I, 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 can, I can give this kind of explanation. Right. And how did Bolsonaro manage to get this relatively good result, uh, despite the criticism of his handling of the pandemic and this apparent wear and tear of his administration? Do you think it's just only because of the economic results you said he had, or also because probably Uh, there's a fear of Lula and these ghosts that you already said about uh, Bolivarianism and socialism in the rest of the continent. Listen, I think that the ghost of uh, uh, Hugo Chavez uh, is playing a big role. Don't forget that yesterday Noriega, Ortega, I'm sorry, Ortega in Nicaragua endorsed Lula. Don't forget that Snowden Sunday endorsed Lula, tweeted just the name Lula. So when you look at this uh, and you have a, 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 just a little bit of culture, you say I mean, it's a pro it could be a problem. The second problem, big problem, is that uh, Lula refused before the first round to uh, show uh, Brazilians his governance plan. Uh, the law uh, requires in Brazil that every candidate needs to present his document uh, for his government. Okay, the problem is that Lula decided to avoid a detailed uh, program. He just put it put on the website of the uh, electoral court just the 21 pages that say absolutely nothing about the economy. And there were rumors last week about the name of the potential minister of economy, Enrique Mereyes, which is a very good name because it was a, 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 a very good minister. But at the same time, there, was, uh, there were all the rumors saying that Alexandre Padilla, who is a doctor, and is a former um, health minister here in Brazil, could be a potential candidate for uh, the, minister, the, the Minister of Economy, as a, as a minister, minister of Economy. That's why, after the uh, unexpected results of Bolsonaro uh, Sunday, uh, the financial side of Brazil asked very strongly to know now what is the political plan of Lula. This is the problem, I mean, because uh, the, the big fear is that he can reproduce in, in, uh, in his uh, new presidency the same dynamics that brought to the corruption scandal and at the same time 
destroy the country, as we see in Peru, for example. Uh, uh, we have a lot of problems in Chile, in Argentina. I never say, <laughs> never mind. I mean, it's terrible. So, for sure, uh, Bolsonaro uh, uh, and is trying to push uh, these uh, topics on his uh, political agenda. Bolsonaro is trying to uh, tell uh, his potential uh, voters, be careful because we don't know what Lula uh, wants to do. Uh, the big threat is that we're going to become like Argentina. Argentina is a reference that Bolsonaro repeated all the time in his statements, in his conversations with uh, the population on TV. Is a reference because it's uh, it's recent, so people can really just open it, just Google uh, Argentina and uh, uh, inflation, and they can see uh, with their own eyes what's happening uh, nearby. For the candidates, both Lula and Bolsonaro, what will they have to change to attract these new voters? These probably move a little bit to the center, or what do they have to change? in order to attract and get these new voters? Uh, Lula, Lula is making, in my opinion, a big mistake because he's trying to attract the financial market. He already tried to do this before the first round, choosing uh, as a vice president, potential vice president, Geraldo, Geraldo Arnin, uh, who, was, uh, who is the former San Paolo uh, governor. Uh, he's a very conservative guy, probably there are rumors that he belong to Opus Dei. And so everybody was shocked when Lula announced uh, uh, Gerardo Acne, who, who was a, an enemy, a Lula enemy uh, four years before. Now he's his vice. Why? Because he said that with Gerardo Acne, he wanted to uh, negotiate with the agribusiness uh, sector, you want to negotiate with the most conservative people. The problem is that uh, failed. So now what is going to do? In my opinion, what he's trying to do is to push uh, from inside uh, the votes from a, from a evangelical uh, side uh, of the society. Uh, yesterday, there, there was a very, in my opinion, it was really, it was ridiculous. Uh, there was a, a famous satanist here in Brazil that uh, is followed by thousands, thousands of people on TikTok. And he said in this uh, live on TikTok that uh, the satanist endorsed Lula, which created a scandal because it was retweeted and really amplified by social media. In a situation like this, it would be better to ignore. No. Lula, Lula uh, uh, campaign strategists decide to um, write a few lines in a kind of pamphlet saying that Lula is Christian. Lula never talked uh, with, uh, with the devil and uh, that uh, never made a deal. Never make a deal, never made a deal with the devil. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, uh, we can say that uh, this campaign is becoming brutal with uh, 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 Lula trying to atta attract the rich and Bolsonaro 
trying to attract more the poor, the poorest uh, in his uh, agenda now. There are uh, more uh, treats to uh, Brazilian slums uh, where he can uh, negotiate and discuss uh, uh, his position just to show that he's really concerned also about this uh, part of the society. So it would be a big show, in my opinion, where these lacking the dismissing votes uh, will be easily moved from one side to another, depending of very um, unpredictable circumstances. Uh, uh, it, it will be we can have a debate, we can have a TV debate, and a TV debate can change again the rules. So I love Brazil because it's an unpredictable country. And uh, what, they, what they call the jetinho brasileiro, it means uh, we way to resolve everything at the last minute, I think it's really appropriate in this situation. I think that the jetinho brasileiro uh, will be effective uh, uh, at the last moment, uh, which means Sunday, October, you see. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, that's all the time we've got, but I would like to thank Maria Zupelo for participating in this episode of the Impunity Observer podcast and everyone who is watching this episode too. Uh, please do not forget to subscribe at impunity at impunityobserver.com and to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.